Jay, how you doing? Man, Mike, I'm doing great. Thanks again for having me here over at the Amateur Tour. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was. I was honestly about to say, and joining me as always, because uh, like I always say with Brian, <laughs> but then I was like, wait, but but Jay, I, I've been having you on a lot lately, and uh, or you know, I've been planning on having you a lot because this uh, this episode will be planned to be the first episode of 2022. We are recording this a little early, which will probably become evident as the conversation goes on. But uh, yeah, this is the start of the new year. Hopefully, you know, the goal of one episode or a new episode every week. And I figured, you know, I really would love to reign in the new year with you, Jay, really good friend of the show and someone that I really do just genuinely enjoy talking movies with. So thank you for coming on and you will be featured throughout many different episodes this year. I, I'm looking forward to it. Always enjoy hanging out and uh, and talking movies with you, whether we're talking one specific or we're just talking around a lot of different stuff, which I think is kind of the plan tonight. Yeah, exactly. And before we get going, uh, Jay, you got a ton of podcasts that you're involved. I mentioned Film Strip, but if there's any other shows that you're a part of and you want to plug, feel free. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, Film Strip's really the big one right now, you know, um, as we're returning to the new year here. So you can go to filmstrippodcast.com. That'll take you to the Anchor distribution site. Uh, you can follow the show social media at filmstrippod on Twitter and Instagram or filmstrippodcast on Facebook. That's where you'll find all the links to new shows, stuff like that. We generally go bi-weekly in releases. And uh, as we are recording this, like we say, a little bit early um, before the end of the year, um, we, you know, as has been the joke on the film strip, you know, I can tell you what we've got coming out next June, usually. Uh, but we, we're kind of planning things a little more openly in 2022. Ron and I and Lindsay have, have sat down and, and mapped out a few things, but we're yet to put it all in place just yet. So, um, but again, we usually go every every other week with shows and we've got over 300 episodes now in the can, uh, tons of different stuff. And we talk, you know, pretty much every kind of movie genre in the world. And uh, Mike, uh, you and I've had multiple discussions. I've had you on to do several musicals, things like that. You've had me over here to do stuff. And I was actually able to do a, a full-on crossover episode. You and I had a great discussion on Tenet here, and then I did a little re-edit on that and put it out on the Filmstrip platform uh, as I'd always intended. And so that's been a, a great episode to have out there too. So looking forward to more of those as we get into 2022. And likewise, you will definitely be a part of the things we plan going forward. I'm really excited to be a part of that uh, because as anyone listening and you know Jay like film strip has always been it's it's one of those day one podcasts that I've listened to when I was you know in high school so it's definitely really surreal I love you know coming out listening to my voice on your show it's awesome but um so getting into this episode uh so this will be an interesting one I, I'm thinking this is so this won't be a specific film conversation uh I'm the, the goal is or the uh the idea going into this is to talk about films in late 2021 and kind of throughout 2022 that we either are excited for that I or this that we want to mention and talk about um but and 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 when this is released the 2021 episode or those those films they're going to be out already and we probably have either talked about them or have recorded episodes but and we'll get there but um but I do want to start this episode too with just kind of a like a stream of consciousness of just like what have you been watching lately man 
uh, because yeah. I've been definitely trying to consume more of just different types of films and movies and TV shows and and meet and just different media. But I'm just curious of what of what you've been watching lately, man. If anything of note. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's as we're recording this, we're kind of at the tail of football season. I'm a big college football and NFL fan. So I, if I get free time to watch stuff, I'm usually watching some football content and stuff. But I have snuck in and watched a few things. And I, I made a couple of notes here. One, you turned me onto the channel on YouTube, a channel called Alter, where they do oh, yeah. a lot of short horror thriller kind of avant-garde type films. And there's one in particular by a guy named Marcus Newman called Pelican Milkshake that I've probably watched three or four times through. It's only about 12 minutes. Totally worth your time. All I'm going to tell you about it, if you haven't seen it, folks, or, or for you too, Mike, is a, a person is burying a body and a drone flies over them with a camera on it. And the person now must find who owns that drone. And that goes down in about 12 minutes. And it's it's a really, really interesting. Um, I, I had a good time with it. I look at those kind of things as you know the good starts of, of ideas and then let's see if we can find some some auteurs and maybe give them a bigger budget and do the longer form of it you know James Wan and Lee Wan L that's how Saw started uh, among other things and Lights Out and some of the things we've referenced before but I really enjoyed that one so I've been picking through the alter YouTube stuff and some of them I like some of them man they're not really for me but that one is one I, I bookmarked liked you know saved shared with a lot of people so big fan of Pelican Milkshake over on YouTube on the Alter channel. Uh, I, I got caught up in the wave, man, in, uh, in November. Our friend uh, Mike Scott from Atkins Undisputed um, and the Dana Buckler Show started talking about One Shot, you know, months ago with Scott Atkins. And I said, okay, I, you know, I, I'm going to watch this. I'm just going just gonna to bite the bullet, rent this, and watch this this weekend. It's got people in it I like um, I, that I know from other th stuff. I like Scott Atkins stuff. It's a good Twitter follow. And of course, love the, the Atkins of the Speedy Show. So I sat and watched that and I was blown away by what James Nunn was able to do. And it's not a, you know, a true one take a show or, or movie, but darn, it's, it's hard to tell where the cuts are unless you just really, really look. And it's a great action film and I really, really recommend that one. So One Shot by James Nunn, highly recommend that. Um, and uh, check that out, particularly if you're into not only if you're into Scott Atkins and his usual martial arts fair and stuff, because he does some of that in this, but it's actually just a good action film. And it's really like small and contained. And plus you get to see Ryan Phillippe be, you know, himself, which is angry all the time. And I don't know if he's really like that in life or not, but gosh, he's just made a career out of playing that guy, that same guy from, I know what you did last summer. And, uh, and then Ashley Green uh, from, you know, a lot of people know her from Twilight and a lot of other actors, you'll know the face. And you're like, I know that guy from somewhere. And then people you haven't heard of, but really enjoyed one shot. And then um, as far as new shows, there's one that's been on Hulu that it will have wrapped up by the time we're talking about this, but oh my goodness, is it so well done. Dope Sick. Okay. Um, which has been uh, been helmed by Danny Strong, who, I, you know, people don't know, I started out in podcasting and doing my own shows with The Art of Slaying, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective, and Danny Strong played Jonathan on that show and he's gone on to have a great career as a writer and producer he wrote hunger games adaptations and lots of other things but he is producing this he's directed it he's writing some of the episodes and it's got michael keaton and caitlin deaver and uh, uh oh gosh i know a, exactly a, who you're talking Kevin about rosario dawson and just a great yeah i was like what's her name yeah, yeah there's <laughs> that and and then other actors too i mean um you've got people in there peter skarsgård uh, um, there's just some good acting and good story. And I know it's not, 
I know it's based on a true story and I've, I've actually got the book from the library and I'm, I'm planning to read it over the, over the, the holiday breaks here as we're recording this, because I know that they've had to do a lot of compositing and they've, uh, I don't want to say fictionalized, but I guess um, stylized, you know, some of the story to make it, you know, compelling or whatever, but it's a very interesting thing. And as someone who works in healthcare, I'm sure you, you've probably heard of this and maybe have some interest in it, but I would, I would strong recommend Dope Sick, even if you don't think it's like a, you know, it's not a documentary necessarily. It's a really compelling drama about a very serious problem in our society. And so as far as new stuff goes, those are three things I definitely wanted to to mention and then i had a couple of revisits of old stuff that i'll throw out after we we banty the new stuff around a bit oh yeah um so yeah dope sick was something that i've seen and i was afraid that it was gonna be one of those like trendy thing you know what i mean like it kind of yeah. comes in the zeitgeist and then like falls off and that's what i felt like it was just like a, you know like the opioid epidemic it's it's trendy it's something we could make something off of not that i didn't think it was going to be well done but it definitely I was going to see what the reaction to it was because I wasn't sure if it was just going to come and then everyone's going to talk about it for a week and then just forget about it. But yeah, I'll, I'll eventually check it out. Um, one shot I haven't seen, but I've, I've, Mike has also uh, recommended that to me as well. And um, but yeah, so with me, I haven't really been watching. Well, so I try and watch new stuff, but I have this the app Letterbox, and I know you have it as well, Jay. I, I used to. I, I need to correct that. I think I talked about it on a previous episode, and I got to the point where I realized everything I'm writing down, I'd rather just talk about. So I killed mine, and then now I just you know, help Ron keep the film strip one up to date. So uh, if anybody was following that, I'm very sorry. But yeah, I, I am not good at writing my thoughts down anymore. I'm much better at just you're recording them and letting you hear them is what I realized. Yeah. So letterbox goes with an audio version. I guess they'll no longer be letterbox, but yeah, that, yeah, I'll, I'll copy that. Right. Yeah. I, I don't write anything just because it's just so time consuming. And I, like I'm writing scripts for some of these, like the solo episodes for later this year, but, um, and that's just time consuming, but what I'm using it for is uh, like database or uh, just a, a collection of films. So you can create lists and, you know, I have, you know, films I want to watch. Uh, my, I've cataloged my entire DVD collection. So I'm looking at it now. I have uh, 430 films right now. I probably missed a few. Um, I've also been trying to catalog every single movie I've ever seen, which is impossible. But, that, it's, still yeah, that, but it's still kind of fun. Me. That is fun to do. Do it while you still can remember any of it. Because well, I'm at the I mean, point yeah. now, there's like, no way. <laughs> like some days I'll just be like, oh yeah, did I watch that movie? And I'll look it up because it has everything. Uh, like the other day, I just, I rated a Barney movie that I watched when I was like five or something, you know, like, and and I and it's like probably not even an accurate rating because it's like from my memory, it's nostalgia. Well, I gave it like a two star, so it's not really that good. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's, fu it's fun just be like, oh, have I watched this movie? But my favorite list that I have I have it called a new film every week. And essentially the rules of that is I just have to watch at least one new film, one, at least one every week. Some day, some weeks I get more than others. Some weeks it's one, uh, like a few weeks ago, I had like six or seven and I actually really do adhere to it, trying to watch something that I've never seen before. And I try and make them like feature length films. Uh, not to say like short films is cheating, but I, I want to sit down and be exposed to something. So I am keeping up with it and I just been adding to it. So, you know, I just went through the Nightmare on Elm Street series for the first time 
and oh, wow. the highs and lows of that yeah, I, I've experienced I would, full, full in full swing. <laughs> as if I haven't done it already enough, but you know, I do recommend our series on that back in the film archives. Brian and I had a uh, good time with us, and then Ron and I were doing the Friday the Thirteenth simultaneously, leading up to Freddy versus Jason. So if you want to go visit some classic film strip, those are, I, I do think those are two of our best series ever. So. Oh, I'm definitely going to. I actually listened to. Uh, now playing's reviews as I was going through it, but I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure Jay did. I know I, I I've listened to your Halloween series, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's done Nightmare. So I gotta go back. But yeah, definitely we, the only the only one of the big ones we haven't done, I guess it depending on how you want to figure out the big one or whatever. We we've never done the Texas Chainsaws, and we probably never will at this point. Yeah. But yeah, those are the ones we missed. But uh, yeah, the the other the other big slashers, like yeah, they've all pretty much been covered, except Chucky. We're never doing that either. Yeah. I, and and like I really enjoyed the nightmare series except like freddy's dead i hated that movie that was like <laughs> Man, that movie, that movie is, is when the studio is done and so is everybody else <laughs> i was like wow like I, I i thought it was awful even you know like dream child uh dream master like those aren't good but i'm like okay those like, are fun there's those, those are the, things those are the, that i like they're the same kind of fun that like the middle parts of halloween are like four five six you know that kind of stuff they're just yeah but fun. freddy's dead Freddy's dead. dead. I can't find anything. Like maybe I kind of like the child actors or like the teens. Well, I like John Doe and uh, uh, the guy who's who's who who's deaf. Like th- those are the only two characters I liked, and yeah. they and they got killed off. And uh, be it like decent ways. Um, I actually uh, New Nightmare was like an interesting failure. Um, <laughs> new, new New Nightmare is the the proto scream. That's what that is. Yeah, it, it it was. I I just don't think Heather Langenkamp is a good enough actress. Like, there's a movie that did it better, and it's called Adaptation with Nick Cage. You know, like Charlie Agreed. Kaufman. Yeah. Like they yeah. did it much better. And Heather Langenkamp is no Nick Cage. Uh, and I actually really did enjoy for what it was the remake. You know, I was looking at reviews and people were just like dumping on this movie. And I liked I liked it for the most part. You know, I mean especially after just binging all of them in like a two week time span. But, um, but so I bring that up because it is really helping me like try and seek out movies either that I've been like, Oh, someday I'll watch it. Like, Oh, well, here's that someday. But the movie that uh, I just watched, well, I guess there's two, they're not new. Um, I just watched uh, the original Django, the uh, Franco Nero film. Yeah, the Western. Yeah, but I the bought song. Yeah. I bought a uh, a a two disc like it was the, the two Franco Nero Django's for like fifteen bucks on Amazon. The ports aren't like the greatest, but I I don't think anything is of that of those films are is like you know it's not like a remastered blu-ray so no it's it's akin to what ethan hawk does in sinister somebody pointed a nice camera ran it into an apple against yeah, a screen in a quiet room that's pretty much it and i and i and i've only watched the first one and watching it it makes me appreciate tarantino's django unchained like that much more um where that i definitely felt like i'm like oh okay i'm seeing the references oh like the red the red face like the confederate soldiers is clearly paid homage in django unchained with the clan members oh like oh what's this member like the introduction of the uh the confederates in the original django the the musical sting is when django uh in tarantino's film kills the brittle brothers and i'm like oh this is actually really cool i'm actually appreciating like this film history side of it now and i loved it how i didn't need to watch like an analysis video of it so that was really cool and actually the most 
I watched this last week. Um, I, I watched SLC Punk for the first time. And wow, did I really enjoy that movie. Speaking of, we just mm-hmm. mentioned Scream. Matthew Lillard, oh yeah. man, he was phenomenal in that. Um, and then I and then I followed that with the decline of Western civilization, part three specifically, where it talks about like the gutter punk, like the teenagers yeah. of that movement. And like those two films paired together, like made me just appreciate SLC punk even more. And just like the whole punk movement, you know, I mean, I, I love the Ramones and stuff like that, but I don't I've never lived that punk lifestyle. It kind of reminded me of uh, like the documentary Streetwise of just like homeless kids on the street just yeah. doing whatever they can but mm-hmm. the decline the of western civilization was really fascinating just seeing like because you're like well, you can't define the punk movement it's it's just like an attitude and just like seeing these kids like embrace whatever it yeah. is it, it was really it was really fascinating but slc punk oh man I, i'm definitely going to talk about that later this year like as a solo review and pair the two together because i've watched well, I've watched bits of part one and two. It's more more about the music and like the big bands and the and like the glam rock. But like, I really liked part three in conjunction with SLC Punk. Yeah, I once used part two as like a primary source in a research paper in college. I'm not kidding. Like it was that well done and it, it just fit with what I was whatever I was trying to write about or get myself through at that point. But uh, as someone who grew up when all that music was really popular, it was sort of neat to see it unraveled like that because it was. Uh, Motley Crue's greatest hits or initial greatest hits package was exactly right. It was a decade of decadence, and especially for all those those folks out on the the LA strip scene and all that stuff. But no, th- that series is is excellent, and that third part is eye opening for sure. So, and I'm glad you got to see SLC Pump. People that think Matthew Lillard is just shaggy don't realize like that guy can actually can't act. He like, can, <laughs> especially when he's not being like camp and like scream. Yeah. Like scream is hit or miss that performance, but SLC Punk is just like. It's just, it's, it's, it's so good. Like it, it's, I, I watch, it's one of those films I knew is special because I watched it and then I immediately watched it again, just because of his performance and just how naturalistic he is like breaking the fourth wall. And, and like, it, he's just, he's just the right amount of over the top, which is, you know, the whole punk movement, but he also is able to like, you know, the whole meta narrative of it's a lawyer who essentially like you can say if he, well, that's the whole, you know, the thesis of the, of the film is I didn't sell out. I bought in, you know, it's this character that was part of like the punk movement, but he, like, as his dad says, I didn't sell out. I, I bought in. And, you know, you're seeing this narrative from like kind of that like meta perspective of this guy telling the story about the punk movement that he was a part of, and then eventually becoming a white collar, like, Oh, like, well, like this is how I'm beating the system is being that like jerk off attorney that is like giving a headache to the judges. And you're like, Oh, okay. And I think, there's something there's a conversation to be had there especially about the punk movement and i mean i'm not part i've never been a part of that but it's it was definitely like i really enjoyed the movie and uh and i love that i guess something about like if we want to talk about new that i've seen i did watch the val kilmer documentary val and i did watch um the new western the harder uh the harder they fall which i, I enjoyed both of them so um highly recommend those especially the harder they fall val val was good especially as uh, it was definitely a interesting experience because when I think of Val Kilmer, I think of like a guy that is like really vain and just like kind of one of those like wannabe method actors. 
I mean, he, he is a great actor. I mean, when he wants to be, but this was something that, you know, it's just another look at, especially what he is now after going through throat cancer, he has a trachea, uh, tracheostomy and, or tracheotomy. And he has to, he can't like talk. He's just in like such poor health. And you're like, oh, wow, this is actually like interesting to see this. And then, uh, and then transitioning to harder they fall. Cause I watched those on the same day, uh, just like a, a black Western that, really had those roots in like the black exploitation, which I'm not super familiar with that genre or that sub that subgenre, but oh. it was it, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna go down that road and you talk to my friend Ron, because that it, that's sort of a secret passion of his. Uh, but I highly recommend a movie called Shaft and another one called oh, Dolomite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, have really, like, I have seen Dolomite. I have seen Dolomite. Yeah. And if you and if you've seen the Eddie Murphy like making oh you the the I am Dolomite or whatever the kind of biopic he did. It's re- it's dead on. Uh, but yeah, the original Shaft is in there. And then, you know, you can even go like with Melvin Van, Van Peoples if you want. And, like, oh, yeah. The whole, the whole uh, yeah, I'm going to get you sucker and all that kind of stuff, you know, that the Wayans brothers kind of did later on. But yeah, they, there's uh, that's an interesting subgenre to dive down for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so you meant, so we'll get quickly because we, I know you, you have some, uh, you have, uh, you're recording another podcast soon. So I don't want to say too long or, or spend or suck all the time of what we've been watching uh, before we get into the 2022 or 2021, 2022 films. But uh, you were saying there's uh, some older stuff that you've been getting around or rewatching. Yeah, I'm yeah. I had, what you've been rewatching. Yeah, two revisits. Um, I'm not a big baseball fan, but there is something kind of romantic about baseball that is undeniable. And I rewatched Moneyball uh, because it that popped back up on Netflix and into my queue. And I because I had marked it a long time ago, and I said, you know, I watched that in a while, and I just put it on. And the way I watched it this time, honestly, is I watched it in like 30 minute chunks. I would watch it, and then I would just go do something else. And I would watch, so I watched it almost like it was a television show. And I really, really enjoyed it. I know it's it's not exactly the story of how all that went down, uh, but again, I don't. You know, if I want that, I'll watch a documentary on it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill were so good in it, and all the other actors just in and out of it, and just the story of these guys are really doing avant-garde analytics things that changed the way that sports teams run because that's now pervasive in football too. That's really what got me down that rabbit hole. Uh, was looking at that so I, I recommend that one and I went and uh, uh, grabbed a book uh, from the library and read it and it's very good very compelling and then I, I I was usually this time of year at the end of the year is when I start doing my James Bond revisits and I'll be honest with you I have not seen No Time to Die as of the recording of this podcast and I don't know when I'm going to because I I knew enough about it going into it that I just wasn't real jazzed about what I'd heard and I've kind of, I don't know, I've kind of turned on the Craig <laughs> movies. Like, there's really one good one I like, the Casino Royale movie, and the rest of them I'm sort of whatever for. Um, I, I don't care anything about it. So I went to the next best thing. I've watched Tenet again, uh, which is a great James Bond movie that you can't hear anything in. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's those are two revisits, and I, I definitely will spend some more time on those toward the end of the year. Uh, it'll also be on my list to do revisits. This is the time of the year I go back and watch the Lord of the Rings movies, and I'll probably throw mm-hmm. the Hobbit ones in there, too, because it's it's a those are just good uh, things I saw during the holidays, usually with a family member, and, and those are fun revisits for me. So, well, I guess we can transition into, you know, the, the films – that uh, either late 2021, which I think there's really only one that we're both going to talk about, or I mean, at least that I have planned to talk about. And then uh, just some, just there's a there's a ton of stuff coming out next year, obviously, or in 2022. But um, there, I have a few films that I do want to talk about. And but this first one, 
is a 2021 release, and we both have said that we want to talk about it. Don't remember whose podcast we're going to do it on. It could be both. Doesn't matter to me. Um, I just want to talk about it with you, and that is Spielberg's remake of West Side Story. We've we yes. I think we briefly have mentioned it, mm-hmm. and I know that we have uh, some strong opinions of uh, at least the the uh, like the trailers and just kind of modern Spielberg filmmaker and just like kind of touching the West Side mm-hmm. Story uh, like property because I mean we both talk about musicals I I absolutely West Side Story is my fifth favorite film of all time I think it's a near perfect film uh, I I've seen it in theaters I'm hoping that I don't have work when they re-release it before the remake comes out uh, which is I, going to be a big disservice to the remake because I'll be watching it back to back in in a theater um, yeah. but uh, yeah I'm not too jazzed about this remake uh just from the trailer so i i read something that spielberg said it's not a remake of the 60s or the 50s 60s version but it's it's uh his interpretation of like the stage production but i don't really yeah. know what the difference is i've never seen it on uh on it's, a stage so what's the, i don't know you might know better than me what's the I, difference there's i mean it's just the scope of it obviously on the stage everything's a little more contained some of the songs are a little different um, the original production obviously has a lot of uh, touch points and language in it that nowadays you just we just don't use because we we know better uh, and we and we act better thankfully. Uh, but it's still a great story at its heart, and it is exactly up Spielberg's alley, man. It's it's schmaltzy and everything. I love the musical. I had a chance uh, during pandemic times. I joined an online only theater reading group where we would put together and at first it just started like table reads around zoom like we just everybody's reading apart you know and then it got like elaborate because you know the thing lasted forever right we were never going to go to a theater again and had all these theater people in there so people would put on costumes and they got to this way they could do a musical on a reading which i don't want to try to explain what that looks like now but it's really fun and i got to do west side story and i played one of the cops in it because it's one of the non-singing roles because i know my role in life and um <laughs> Jay, but I, you, I, love I heard it. you sing you're i don't know I, what I can, you talk about man, i but. really don't don't say but i certainly don't sing show tunes i could say that i don't dance <laughs> but but i do um i did i played trank but no i i loved um i love that story and i love the musical and the original movie is just one of those it's just from a time that doesn't exist anymore and Hollywood doesn't exist anymore. So for Spielberg to tackle it, it that wasn't what turned me off to it. It's uh, that, what he keeps saying about it. And I'm like, he needs to stop talking about this because it is ruining it for me because I hadn't heard anything about it in a while. And I went and saw Dear Evan Hansen in the theaters. And this was right before the movie, of course. It's a great movie to put in front of that one. And I thought, oh, that actually looked really good. And I was like impressed. And then everything I've heard since, I'm like, oh, please stop talking, Steven. So I'm I'm going to go, man, because one, we're going to do a show on it on somebody's show, maybe both at the same time. But I I don't have high hopes that it's going to be anywhere close to the original. But to answer your original question, it's just it's mostly just the way that things unfold in a movie. You can go multiple city blocks and you can have up and downs. And then on a stage, you're limited with what you can do. It's what makes the creativity so good. Um, but having seen it on the stage production, not not on Broadway, but I've seen the stage production of it before and then been a part of an online one. And then, you know, now I've had, of course, seen the movie several times. I'm curious about this one and I'm going to give it a, a shot. But um, it, honestly, though, it's not the most exciting thing I'm, I'm looking forward to in December of 2021. I'll go ahead and tell you that now. Yeah, I 
I don't know. It does look very flat. Like, yeah, I'm not like I might not like Spielberg, uh, his new movies or like mod, like the modern era of Spielberg. I think he's a lot of uh, old man yelling at the sky. And uh, it's very he says a lot of like antiquated things, in my opinion. But that's not saying he's not a talented filmmaker. I think this is going to be a very pretty film. I think it's going to look great. But when I saw the trailers, I don't know, it just it just didn't really, I just didn't feel the magic. And I'm, and I'm, and I do want to go in and give the movie its fair shot. Like, I don't want the artist to impact the art. Um, so I'm going to try and go in with as open mind as possible, but something tells me that it's just going to have a modern sheen on it. Maybe some, maybe more like flashy camera work, which I'll probably end up liking the cinematography. Like, I'm not going to lie, but something tells me like the magic is it's just trying to emulate something it's it's like it's like the child playing playing dress up that's just what this is going to feel like i feel like it feels like it's trying way too hard so that's all i can tell from the trailer so i I hear you there yeah so that's that's kind of the one movie that i feel like i'm that's most on my radar but it's funny because i'm not really that like excited about it um i'm more excited to see the re-released uh original on the on yeah. through fathom events that's what i'm more excited about to be completely yeah no honest. i, I want to see that on a big screen as well because i've only ever seen it at home so that, and i have more- i highly recommend it uh it's all oh, i can't really say anyone listening go look at it i'll uh, I, don't know, I, I tell everyone like if you can go see it on the big screen because it, it, it is it, it's seeing it on the big screen is what made it my fifth favorite film of all time because it's just oh, yeah. that classic cinema and like you can just see it's that it's just like the sound it's the big picture it's everything everything just can it's meant for uh the cinema is like i think yes. that's the best possible uh viewing experience so that's that's my one uh 2021 film that i've uh been really looking at the my other 2021 film got moved to 2022 so we'll get there in a second (laughs) well there's one other one coming out in theaters actually theaters and home release at the same time that that i'm i'm curious about only because i just need to know why um matrix resurrections is coming out and it's it's going to be hbo and theaters oh yeah that's christmas oh i thought it was was january oh yeah that's that's a that's a december and i'll be honest with you mike like i I feel like I probably should see that movie in a theater because it's going to have the kind of spectacle to make it worth it. But I have a really nice television at home. I may just watch that <laughs> at home. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I may not have missed anything by going to the theaters, but I'm, I'm just very curious as to what the Wachowskis have to say to that property. And based on the trailers I've seen, it's very Halloween 2018-ish <laughs> in that... <laughs> forget the things that you think you know it'll all be here but apparently we don't have to but it's it feels in that same vein and i don't i don't know i'm curious as to what possibly they could have to say about any of that anymore because i'm one of those people that thinks the first matrix is a brilliant piece of sci-fi that's influenced by a lot of things no doubt but it's a great sci-fi action movie followed by two sequels that were born out of the we need to do something with this yeah and we need to cat- we know this cow yeah we didn't know where to go like i think the animatrix is actually kind of a fun idea if you've seen the animated one mm-hmm. but it's not uh oh, nah, the, the matrix but you know it's hard to not see the fingerprint that that original movie had on decades of films afterward and so you know having keanu back in in his john wick phase now or whatever i'm like okay sure you know i'm gonna give it a shot one way or the other well i watch it at home or 
actually drag myself to a theater to see it, to use those famous gift certificates I referenced in that tenant review that I still have money. <laughs> um, so that I may, I may burn them all up on matrix, but we'll see. But yeah, there's that. And then I, Cobra Kai season four comes out. It's technically new year's Eve, but I don't go anywhere on new year's Eve. Cause that's like way dangerous amateur hour in Charlotte. So <laughs> uh, yeah, we like my wife and I saw that like, Oh, well, I know what we're doing. So like, we're going to get up in the morning and just roll through that. Cause we did that with the last season, but those are the only two things in December outside of West Side Story that I'm remotely like paying attention to at all. Yeah, the Matrix is definitely like a why. I the, the where I always thought the Matrix should have gone is is especially like you know at the end of the second Matrix when like I think the the second movie is pretty much saved. Well, the second movie in itself, and then it's just ruined in the third movie is at the end when uh, Neo stops the uh the the like the octopus whatever they're called uh like the sentinels in the in the quote-unquote well i say quote-unquote real world and you're like whoa what is that and it just turns out to be like nothing and i when i remember well now that i've seen that i'm like you know that could have been really cool if it's like wait a minute this we're still in the matrix you know like this is a fail safe after and it still would make sense because after that long-winded non like almost nonsensical um uh the the conversation with the architect i think the guy in the in the room with the tvs was like oh there was a fail safe and then i you forget what else he says um i remember thinking like oh this would be really cool if like this is the fail safe like the quote unquote real world the zion center of the world is the fail safe but no they don't really go they don't they don't go in that direction at all so that's like the only way i could think that this movie can get not get say I don't know I who knows where this is gonna go but that was like the one thing that I always thought was like now the real world is still the matrix because why else would Neo have these powers in that world and they don't explore that maybe they'll explore it in this movie we'll see but uh yeah it's definitely a what (laughs) so moving into uh 2022 now this isn't in any particular order I do want to start with a movie that I am excited for to, to come out and this was the movie that was supposed to come out uh, it's been keeps getting pushed and pushed and pushed, and that is Jackass Forever. Not because like Jackass is not high art, and that's exactly and precisely the reason why I'm so excited for it. Is because it's not high art. It's just these, especially with Jackass Forever. It's just these dudes that are way too old to be doing this, and you're just watching this train wreck of just like the crazy shit that they're these stunts that they're doing, and. Like whenever I feel sick or I'm feeling low, I'll pop in any number of the Jackass movies. I have the TV show. That was more of an accident when I I bought it in high school because I thought it was a box set of the movies and it was actually a TV show. So I have the TV show as well in case I ever want to watch that. But the Jackass movies are just like just mindless, dumb entertainment. And I am excited for the new one. I'm curious to see how it's going to work. I mean, with, you know, cast members not returning. I mean, Bam Margera, you know, he is a train wreck. So he he had like a meltdown in the middle of filming this. So I think he's excised from the movie. You know, unfortunately, Ryan Dunn is no longer with us shortly passing or shortly passing away after Jackass 3. But, uh, you know, Steve-O's coming. Steve-O's back. Knoxville's back. Dave England, all those guys. And new like uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok people. I'm familiar with one of them from stupid shit that he does on his Instagram and social media. Um, he's like a younger, I guess, more energetic, like Preston Lacey. He's like this like morbidly obese guy that just does, like he'll, he'll strap um, 
like uh firecrackers like a, a, a vest of firecrackers and light them and then he's and then just see what happens so i am excited to see some of these stunts um on a side note i am seeing steve-o's uh one man sh- i don't know what one man show is stand up i don't know what to classify it as in De- in december um in boston where he just does he shows videos of wild stunts that couldn't make it onto jackass and i guess he does some stuff there as well so uh in essence jackass is just like the definition of turn your brain off like stupidity like like absurdist like stunt humor that i am very much excited for and i feel like it was something that we needed during covid but just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and now i'm like actually really excited to see it nothing wrong with turning the old brain off that's for sure i i hear you there because my january film is one that I'm probably going to have to turn my brain off to remotely enjoy. And that's the uh, new uh, five cream or scream. Uh, which oh yeah. Calling it now. Yeah. The scream five, which I had forever thought, man, they're just going to do what Halloween 2018 did. They're just going to ignore everything that's happened. And nope, they're not all four of them are still in canon. I'm real curious to see how that works. I have bets on uh, which old cast member is going down first. Uh, I, I think we all think it's David Arquette. So I think because he's got the least to lose because he doesn't care. And uh, I think it'll be a vehicle for Courtney Cox and, and uh, Nev Campbell, which, you know, good on them for wanting to come back to this thing. I, I have no, I, I'm going to go see it because I'm just that kind of, you know, horror buff, but man, I, I got the lowest, lowest of expectations because I happen to think the best thing they ever did with Scream was turn it into an MTV television show. The the seasons of that, that I saw, and it was way, I'm way beyond the age range to have enjoyed it. That was really well done. And I liked that. I thought that was so smart and they're going to do another movie now. And I'm like, ah, okay, here we go again. You know, and we'll just see how Sydney survives this time. So uh, I'm curious. I know there's a lot of people that love that and they love that series because it is more about her than it is about who the killer is. Um, and that's a neat twist, but I, yeah, I don't have a lot of high hopes, man. You know, January is usually like Oscar bait time and um, other stuff. I, I, I will probably ignore almost all of that stuff. Cause it's usually just, eh, there's just nothing I'm really jazzed about seeing at that point plus is when work starts back in january it's always like just a busy time so i it'll blow by the month will blow by i'm like oh gosh i need to go see screen yeah maybe that if i can find it that'll be my next series to watch because i've seen the first one but and i just know it gets like off the rails as most it gets it just gets more it just gets more convoluted but it can still be fun and and there's there's good ways to follow through but to, to watch it but yeah i mean if you've never seen them it's definitely worth worth revisiting if you've never seen the sequels in particular that first one holds up i i watched it during october uh, and it had been a few years since i watched it and i was like man this movie's still really really good even though it's like a homage of five different movies and mostly halloween but it, it's good yeah I, I, I yeah then maybe that'll if i can find it because all these you know i have all the streaming platforms so if it's streaming anywhere i'll definitely maybe that'll be my next one because I'm not, I don't want to, I'm honestly not interested in, in watching the Friday the 13th. I've seen enough. I've seen enough reviews of them to know, like, I don't like this. All, um, all you need, all you need is part four, part six, and Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, yeah really I, all like, you need. Like, like, I, like, even like, in like going back to the nightmare versus uh, Friday the 13th, you know, like at worst, oh, okay, there's like, you know, there's a Freddy's Dead, which I was like, this is dumb. Like, I hate this. I don't like this. But at least, like, there were bits that I like. And then I watched something, like, for me, I feel like the low point of Friday the 13th, or at least what I've seen, is either 
Jason Takes Manhattan or uh, actually more uh, Jason X. I did not like Jason X. I thought it was dumb. I thought it wasn't even like fun camp. Like I know what they were trying, but I didn't enjoy it. And uh, so I'm not, I don't want to go there, but I feel like the screen movies, like I'll be going along with it. Uh, like I did with nightmare for the most part. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I would say they're definitely a different class of thing than, than the, uh, the Friday, the 13th movie. Yeah. So, uh, I guess that transitions into a, my next movie. I'm not sure when I forget when this came out. There's another film that's been being pushed and pushed is, is Top Gun Maverick. And yes, I, and I'm yes. interested in this because, like I, I don't understand the obsession with Top Gun other than it just being like, well, okay, yes, there was the awesome cinematography, um, and I feel like it was it was just it's a Navy propaganda piece, like that's that's what it well, is. Like we'll be okay, real actually, here. Let, let me let me actually help you. Somebody that grew up in the air, it's actually not a Navy propaganda piece. It wasn't intended to be. The Navy capitalized on it because they had a really smart uh, commander in charge of marketing who had signed them up to like, let them have access to the boats and all that kind of stuff in the planes for some of that, you know, some of the stuff that they did. And when they saw it was popular, they just put up recruiting tables in <laughs> and they didn't have any idea people would actually sign up, but they did. And they yeah. had Boone off of they it. They still I mean, do. I mean, yeah, they I, still do. And, but here's the thing, like, I'll tell you why that movie is, is fun because Tony Scott said it, mate, it's just rock and roll. Don't think about it. It is a rock and roll fantasy in the same way streets of fire is. It's just with airplanes and stuff. And it's there's something infinitely cool about Tom Cruise at the beginning of his action journey that I think just draws people back because you can see him do things in that movie that he'll do forever. And it's also because the supporting cast in that movie is awesome. I mean, you've got Anthony Edwards, Tom Skerritt, Michael Ironsides, um, Tim Robbins is in that. Tim Robbins, who's yeah. six five, he would never be a pilot in anybody's navy. Um, like you've got all these guys that you see and stuff. Rick Rosovich, all these guys. It's just a fun, wicked take of the movie. If you ever meet fighter pilots, they're some of the most genius people you'll ever talk to. They're basically astrophysicists and engineers that fly airplanes. Oh, yeah, they're all and they're also like, a, all the astronauts also, are, are those yeah types of and they're adrenaline junkies too and they're adrenaline junkies too because you have to be to do that for a living and so it's just absurd to watch this you know as if this could be this way but there's i mean if you grew up on star wars and stuff the way i did that was the one of the most friggin awesome things you could ever see so I, i'm i am like you i'm really curious as to what in the heck does this character still have to say to anybody this many years later i i don't know what this is going to be about and they, they they pushed it off for almost a year i think it's in may now um so yeah I, i'm with you but it's it, it's worth a revisit to top gun and put aside the fact that it that the navy used it as propaganda after it was over with the the cinematography in that did change things and you, that's the thing to behold about it mike is that it's all practical like yeah none of that stuff is cgi and apparently Cruz was insistent that they do the same thing in this one, that almost all of it is actual people in planes flying them just like they had back in the 1985, 86 movie. Yeah, I'm not surprised that Tom Cruise said that. He probably was like, I'll get my pilot's license and I'll do it too. Oh, he which... has one. He's just not allowed to actually Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. I meant. Like, as in like, oh, I'll go through the training and I'll do these stunts. And they're like, no, you can't do that. But um, but uh, it's funny because I did rewatch Top Gun like a few months ago. So I'm like, oh, let me just see. Like, I haven't watched it since 
high school. Let me see. And I found myself, it, it's like when I, when I watched Death Proof, I just fast forward to like the, like the action sequences or like Kurt Russell when he chooses <laughs> yeah. the scenery. Like I couldn't give like two shits about the, the romance. Like I'm like, whatever, blah, blah. Where, when are they going to fly? Let me see Iceman. Let me see that stuff. And, uh, and I just felt like the exact same, like, I was like, ah, it's okay, I guess. But let me, let me get to like, yeah, the rock and roll bits. I couldn't oh, care less I, about this romance or, or whatever. Like, okay. If you want the better action flying movie of the time, uh, I might recommend Iron Eagle to you sometime. Uh, oh, yeah, I've heard about this, but I've never seen it. It's a better story and a better movie. I'll tell you what, watch it sometime. And if, and if you just don't completely revolt against it, let me know. We'll do an episode of Fun <laughs> Trip on it because I, I haven't been able to find anybody that'll do it with me all these years, but it's definitely one to spend some time with. If you, yeah. want. If you want a better action movie and a better story, Iron Eagle has that. If you want uh, more of a fable, uh, Top Gun's your, is your jam. I'm adding that to my letterbox list of films I want to watch. So I'll put that on now. And then when I get around to it, I will definitely let you know. It'll probably be sooner rather than later. But um, but yeah, I'm uh, definitely, I'm curious to see what this new Top Gun Maverick is, especially seeing a lot of people, you know, that Top Gun was their favorite movies, just, you know, like really pumped and jazz about this like i see um like dana buckler when top got when it was first announced to when it was pushed i know dana was really big on oh i'm like super excited for this movie so i'm very curious to see a what the movie is and b what like super fans or fans of the movie think of it so that's it's, it's on my radar uh i'll probably see it in theaters again like if i can get an imac showing i feel like that is going to be the uh like the setting to view this movie in is like an IMAX big screen like whoa like the, the the next best thing would to see it in like 70 millimeter like like a Nolan film or like a Paul Thomas Anderson film you know oh yeah. okay I'm gonna add I just said that I'm gonna add uh, another movie I had only one other movie but um I just thought of another movie I want to add to 2022 but I'll I'll pass I'll pass it on to you now that um now that we just talked about Top Gun, well, I'll, I'll stay in in May with you because it's one it's it's one of my favorite of the Marvel films, and it's the sequel that I've been waiting on forever. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I mm. really want to see a Marvel horror movie, and that's what this is billed as. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of done on on Marvel. Like I know there's a new Spider Man movie coming out. I've never seen any of the solo Spider Man movies. I'm told I should. I like Tom Holland. Uh, in stuff I've seen him in, I like him as that character in the uh, you know, a couple of Avengers movies I saw him in, and the the one uh, Captain America movie. But I I'm way more interested in the Doctor Strange character. I thought it was so well done when they did the uh, you know the more modern take of it and leading up to uh, Infinity War and all that stuff. And I love the way Benedict Cumberbatch plays Stephen Strange. And and again, this is supposed to be a Marvel horror movie. And I know Scott Derrickson's no longer involved and neither is, is Robert Cargill. Um, but I know some of what they had planned is still going to be there. And, and so I know where their sensibilities lie. I'm really, really curious about it. But to the point that I've actually like muted things now, I want to go in as cold as I can, Mike. Like I'm trying to avoid trailers. I'm trying to find out, is it before a movie I might see? Cause I'm going to like walk in late. So I don't see Cause I want to go in as cold as I can on it and just eat it up because I love that first one so much. And I can't wait to see the second one. 
Yeah, I'm a. I, I, me and my buddy Jake, we were going through the Marvel movies, and then life got in the way, and we, it, we stopped right at um, the first Avengers movie. We've both watched it together. We just haven't gotten an episode. We watched it like last March together, and we just never got together to record an episode. So I want so for next year or this, I guess 2022. I want to have the Marvel, uh, the Marvel MCU again. I want to keep pushing that because I want to get to these films because it's definitely these newer films like you know the Doctor Strange characters. Um, you know I the new the the far or no way home far from the new spider-man movie that's coming out the multiverse that stuff seems like so fascinating to me but Mm -hmm. i feel like i would appreciate it more if i had the context of everything so i think you you can in some ways but i'll I'll be honest with you like i have i've never seen either of the ant-man films i probably never will and i don't think i'd need to know anything more about that character than what i got from him in the infinity war movies i'm fine with it it's paul rudd i don't care you know, like there, there, there came a time when I just had to give up. Like, I, I, there's too many people here. I don't need to know. I just, I just need to know what's happening with the main people. And so, I, I don't know that you got to watch them all, though it's a fun exercise. But I, th- this one, though, I, I do recommend the Doctor Strange movie. I, I would say if you haven't seen that one, that you need to see it before you get into the later Avengers movies because some of that stuff won't make any sense unless you know what he is and what he does. Yeah, and Doctor Strange is definitely one of those. I've been telling Jake that. Doctor Strange is one of those those characters that I'm most interested in seeing um, just because of I know pretty much nothing about him, but just from like trailers and memes and and just like people talking about him, it's he's being like this mystery is being built up in my head. And it seems like the more one of the more interesting characters, especially someone that, you know, is uh, like traveling through multiverses and has that control. I'm like, that seems like something that I would be down for. So uh, yeah, I, I'd honestly probably be catching that in theaters and just for like the visual spectacle alone. Um, but it, it's also something that seems mm-hmm. vastly different than Marvel has been doing. It, 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 it's like different, yeah. but it's like the same, but also vastly different, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It, it follows the same formula that that all those movies do, but it's just now we're introducing a really strange kind of magic into the world, and it it I don't know. It it also creates a lot of plot conveniences, yes, but it's neat the way that they loop it in. I I gave that first one credit. I really liked it. It's one of my favorite sort of standalone Marvel films. Like you can just watch it too and just be like, hmm, it's fun. You know, it's it's good. If you never saw anything else, it would be fun. You know. I feel the same way. I re, I revisited the uh, first Iron Man recently for the same reason that I was like, I just want to see if this is still as good as I thought it was when I saw it, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. I was like, God, yeah, this movie's just still good, just by itself. If they never did anything else, that was just a fun popcorn movie for two and a half hours. Yeah, that it was. I remember really enjoying the first Iron Man. Um, but yeah, I, I I do want to get through these Marvel movies sooner rather than later. But uh, yeah, th- those are those definitely the that is something that I am interested in seeing as well, just because even, and I think it'd be cool just going in just blind and not knowing anything because that's the great thing about the Marvel movies is it helps to see everything. Obviously like some of the, like the Avengers movies, you kind of need to see the other ones, but they do, they do understand that people are going in, not seeing them. So I feel like it, it, it does that balancing act really well of people that just walking into the movie blind as well as, you know, people that have been since, you know, 2007 with the, or 2009, whenever the first Iron Man came out, you know, and yeah. I think that I do give them credit for that uh, is balancing that really well. You yeah, know, I, I completely agree. So um, 
you haven't mentioned it yet. I'll throw it out there too. I'm very curious about the Matt Reeves Batman movie coming out in March. I, I've seen a little bit of trailer stuff for that. I think Robert Pattinson, we've talked about how good of an actor he is. I'm very curious to see him as Bruce Wayne Batman and see what this take on it is. Seems very dark and like they're going to go with that. So I'm, I'm curious as what that will mean. Yeah, I was never a big Batman guy. You know, I mean, like superhero movies, I'm not super into. So I've seen things that, you know, I've, you know, you hear every time a Batman movie is is made. Who's playing Batman? Nah, he's going to suck. And then they end up being pretty good. Um, And then because they're all they always they mostly always cast like competent actors. And then like the first trailer gets released and people you know, they become contrarians and they just say, they just try and dump on it just because it's Vogue to dump on new Batman or Bat Batman movies. So uh, it is going to be interesting. I probably will skip it and just wait till it's on, you know, like VOD or I'll wait until, because my Brian's going to see it. So I have no doubt because he loves Batman. So I'll probably wait to see what he has to say and then I'll get to it. But um, it's not exactly on my radar, but I am curious to see, you know, like what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say I'm 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 not as whole bought into it as, as maybe necessarily. I do like the Batman character, and I can find some value in most of the most of the movies, not all of them. Some of them aren't that great, but I'm I'm curious to see what they do with it and just to where it could go, you know. And uh, the, you know, and then there's there's some there's a a strange movie coming out, and I don't know exactly release date yet, but I just want to put it out there. It's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Have you heard about this yet? no let me look at or maybe this, i this have is, let me this look is it up. nicholas cage playing himself he agrees to make a paid appearance at a billionaire fan's birthday party but the person's really an informant for the cia or something oh, like that yeah like, this sounds like familiar a, i was yeah, looking like was, i was looking thing. through i was looking through letterbox yeah. and mm-hmm. uh actually at like nicholas cage movies and just seeing if I missed anything. And I think I saw this and I clicked on it. It's like, oh, it's not released yet. I'm like, oh, I guess it's, it's gonna be something else. It could be hilarious. I mean, you got Pedro Pascal, Neil Patrick Harris, Tiffany Haddish. Is in it. I, I think it's going to be funny because one thing you say about Cage, the man has no vanity whatsoever. And he's, he was like, well, you would pay for fun of me? Sure, whatever. And he's just going to do it. And I, I am game for that because big budget, large comedies generally just go to like straight to Netflix or something now, right? The fact that they're going to throw that in a theater, I'm I'm game. I want to see if it can be as, as good and as funny as you know it looks like it could be. Yeah, it said this says April of 2022. So yeah, okay. that yeah, I'll definitely yeah. Now that you mention it, I'll pro- honestly, it does sound like an interesting movie to see, especially mm-hmm. Nick Cage being the Nick Cage. You can't really quite. He is himself an adjective now. But mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's just something special. The the two movies that I was gonna bring up just for let's just, just throw them out there is uh actually one at the time of this recording being released in like a week is Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie Licorice Pizza, and um and then the and then jumping literally a year from now is Damien Chazelle's new movie Babylon. Uh, we yes ba- Bob Babylon we don't really know much about it although it's it's like a period piece set in Hollywood with mm-hmm. Emma Stone and Brad Pitt starring in it. Don't know what that means. Uh, I'm curious to see, because he's done, I guess that he's already done a period piece already with First Man, which I have seen uh, a while ago. And I remember not being super impressed with it. Uh, I remember being let down 
Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was just the direction of Brian. Like the film looked phenomenal. Like don't get me wrong. Like like that wasn't what I was com- complaining about. I think it was just the direction with Ryan Gosling in First Man. So I'm curious to see, and and I haven't seen the Eddie yet, the Netflix show that he you know produced, and I think he directed one or two episodes. Like the the uh, it's about the the jazz cafe in France or something. I. I haven't quite, yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm just curious to see, because Damien Chazelle is one of those directors that I have said we have to keep an eye on, but after, you know, we've talked about La La Land on your show, and which, you know, we have strong, like, mixed feelings of the movie, and yeah. then my opinion of the disappointing first man, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see where Babylon is going to go into, but and then jumping to a more competent director, uh, or uh, no, I'm sorry, I don't mean more competent, a more seasoned director that, uh, which I which I love about Paul Thomas Anderson is because just watching his progression from his coke-filled days of the 90s to this subdued, uh, more mature filmmaker that is, you know, making The Master or Phantom Thread, like these very slow methodical like, character study so right. um this new this film art yeah right. exactly you know every frame of painting and th- this new film definitely it seems like it's uh kind of like a throwback uh but not like <laughs> not so much to as like cocaine binges but more of just like a, like a like a punch drunk love you know like very like quirky characters with a quirky dialogue and uh in a script that uh, that seems a little bit more wholesome. You know, it seems like it's harkening back to an, uh, an era gone by that he's very nostalgic for um, with uh, Seymour, Seymour Hoffman's uh, uh, son playing the, or Philip Seymour Hoffman's son playing, uh, I guess, the main character. And, uh, you know, I'm very curious to see how that plays out as well. So, uh, yeah, because goddamn, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son looks exactly like him. So I'm very curious to see you know, where that movie comes into as well. So yeah, those are definitely also two films that those are the last two of my, uh, my radar for at least as of this moment in time that I'm looking out for. The only thing that I'm looking forward out for, and it doesn't have a release date yet or anything, but Terrence Malick has got a movie called The Way of the Wind that is coming. It's in post-production. It's supposed to be in 2022. It'll probably get pushed till late in the year because of the subject matter and it's going to be Oscar bait. But I mean, you got Joseph Fiennes, Ben Kingsley, Aiden Turner. It's a retelling of several episodes in the life of Christ. And something tells hmm. me it's not going to be the ones you all know. It's, it's going to be the ones maybe you haven't thought about or Ooh, that was like two verses. And all of a sudden now we've got 45 minutes of it, but I know it'll look beautiful no matter if I can understand any of it or not. Uh, that'll usually take four or five passes is, is generally the way with Terrence Malick stuff. But I'm curious about it because again, it's, I just like the way that he puts things to, to celluloid and then allows you to fill in the blanks and, he's not for everybody he's certainly sometimes not even always for me with some of the stuff he makes but I I just like his work and I like a lot of the stuff that he does so I'm curious about it but yeah um the way of the wind is uh is coming up so we'll we'll see I'm curious to see what that that turns out to be yeah Terrence Malick like I I think I'm getting I'm starting to explore his work more um you know like uh what is that thin red line is that I think that's him that's Um, him that's actually you know everybody talks about um 
Saving Private Ryan, and that's a great movie. But Thin Red Line's actually a better movie, in my opinion. Yeah, as far as I just like a better film, you know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely more of a. Uh, I think th- not th- thoughtful is not the right word, but it's definitely but it's, it's something a more that provoking kind yes. of thing. Next to next to um, you know, Flags of Our Fathers and Sands of Iwo Jima, which Clint Eastwood really did a bang up job on those two. Oh yeah, you know, two sides of the same story, but s- same kind of contemplative look at war rather than the glamorizing you know violent part maybe yeah and i just and i a few months ago i just saw badlands for the first time too so um i'm i think i'm working my way through his uh that that's you know on that list of films that i want to watch like there's a ton of his mm-hmm. films that i do want to watch i, I ideally want to start like from the beginning work my way up and then his like 20 year hiatus or 10, 20 years hiatus, and then, like, get back, you know, like, uh, he made Tree of Life, right? I, or is that, is that yep, he did Tree of Life as well. Yeah, yeah, so, like, you know, start early, then work my way up to where we are now. I like seeing the directors, um, I like seeing directors, w- if they have a journey, <laughs> you know, you know, there's someone like Tarantino that is just kind of, like, remains consistent and constant, which is fine, but, you know, and then there's directors like Paul Thomas Anderson that, starts like the the director if you watched his uh even if you just watch like coffee and cigarettes or you know boogie nights or magnolia and you and then you showed someone um phantom thread in the master maybe not so much the master but if you watch like phantom thread or um uh inherent vice you'd be like this is not the same director like this is someone completely different like well you're not wrong that it's a completely different person but it is the same director so that's kind of what i am hoping to experience with terrence malick but um yeah i'm i'm glad that yeah i'm glad that this conversation we were able to have this like more stream of conscious um i know we we talked a lot of films and these are i think the best conversations when two movie buffs get together and just kind of go from the hip and just start just throwing names out there and just seeing what <laughs> seeing what sticks Oh yeah, I mean it's it's always fun just to see, and I get ideas too. You know, I, I ask people, "What are you watching? What do you see? You know, what what's coming up?" And that's how I find out about a lot of things because I don't I don't follow it as as closely as I used to because I follow the things that I'm most interested in seeing that I want to see where they where they're coming and where they're going, and then I just you know I, I have the the film friends and podcasts and things that I listen to, and you know I love getting exposed to stuff that I don't know as much about, whether it's you know more light fair or you know it's more thought-provoking stuff either way it's a lot of fun to explore that i'm, I'm going to try to take up your challenge i don't think i could do one a week but i may try to do like one a month like find something i haven't seen and just sit and really spend some time with her or something like that i may try to do that in 2022 here as we go yeah and i, I think letterbox is good because it, it just it's it's even uses a, a tool for me to be like okay um it, it keep it, it it's something that I can refer to like when I we were talking about our movies I was just looking at my list and it's also like that kind of a, that accomplishment of like oh I like for movie buffs like oh I've watched all these movies Brian he is crazy he um he set a goal out in I guess last January like the start of 2021 that he wanted to watch 150 movies in a year and he is now at 178 or something like that I'm like, wow. dude, and and to be fair, they're not new movies. Like some, like, it's a mix of movies that he likes that he's seen before, and it's also movies that he's never seen. So it's a good mix of that. But just the fact that he sits down and is able to watch this 
like the, the the amount of movies and he's you know he's in law school he's in night school he clerks in the day he goes to school at night uh lives in a in a major city that there's like tons of stuff to do like he and his girlfriend you know they love doing stuff they're very active people in seeing things so the fact that he's able to sit down and just watch all these movies is is amazing and just expanding his film his film knowledge which is what kind of spurred me to do this letterbox i I think i've got it from us though i think you know there's 12 months in the year here so what i'm gonna do is pick a a seminal classic or something that's said to be classic from the last 12 decades from 1900 all the way up to the 2010s that i have not seen at least once a month and then try to catalog it in some way i'm I'm gonna go ahead and put that down that's actually a, a neat project i think yeah that's a good one i like that um yeah, and especially with like, you know, all the streaming platforms, you know, I'll just look at my phone that I can, that I'll just think of, you know, you have Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, Criterion, Disney Plus, YouTube, uh, I think there's Arrow, and Brian just sent me another one, uh, Arrow, Kino Cult, H- uh, HBO Max, like there's so many places that you can find any movie, it's honestly like really overwhelming, and that's why I like Letterboxd, it's like, okay, like there's it's just like so much to pick from that okay I'm actually like slowly ebbing away at what I want to do and maybe I'll find something here maybe I'll find something there and that's kind of the beauty of you know cinema and art in general that there's always something to consume and talk about which is you know yeah. what I love but um Absolutely. yeah no yeah I uh I'm, I'm curious to see the list that you that you amass for for 2022 with the the classics and to see what you come up with yeah, well, you know, some will be classics and then some will be just, you know, something I missed. It'll definitely, the, the one rule I'm going to stick to is it has to be something I have not seen, uh, which, you know, as we get, you know, further back, like that, that's going to be a good bit of anything. You know, there's, there's definitely a point when I haven't seen something uh, or haven't seen a lot from a decade. But, you know, we get up into the 80s and 90s, the 2000s, that's going to be, that's going to be an interesting exercise. I'm going to have to lean on some people to, to point me towards something. I think I'm going to go with, has to have been a major theatrical release, <laughs> had critical acclaim of some sort of, so like no, no after last seasons for like people like me. And then, <laughs> uh, then some, something that will give, uh, that, that is, uh, you should see this or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I trust IMDB for that, or I may peruse a lot of letterbox for that, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Or people hit me up on Twitter. I'll throw it out there somewhere too. It seems like people have stuff to, to offer. Yeah. And in your goal, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a, a goal for me as well. I want to check out a specific director, Frederick Wiseman, um, the documentarian. His, I haven't seen any of his work yet, but just, I, I was looking at it and I'm very interested in, in uh, just the style of, doc, like just from like the trailers that I've seen, the, the bits that I've seen. I'm very curious and, and just reading some uh, essays about him. I definitely want to check out more of his documentaries, specifically uh, like Titty Cut uh, Follies, um, High School. And I, th- oh man, there's one that he made. I think it's called like, uh, it's something about, it's like, it, it, like Deathbed or I'm trying to look, uh, Near Death, that's it. I apparently Near Death, it's, it's, 80 it's i'm looking at the docu um the imdb right now it's uh 1989 uh he studies four cases of terminal patients their families and the doctors and nurses in in the boston boston's beth israel hospital it is do you want to take a stab at how long this documentary is jay i'm gonna guess this one runs 
What's absurd? Mm. Let's just start that. What would you think okay. is absurd? I, it I is would say absurd. I would say anything four hours beyond four hours is we're getting into Ken Burns like multiple episode territory. Now. Yeah, it is five hours and forty six minutes. Gosh. So Woo. you're gonna be in for a long one. This and, it, and it's like it seems like something that's wholly depressing because it. Uh, but it seems it seems like something so depressing, but so well. I'm hoping that it's going to be so. Uh, like perspective changing and i think coming off of covid-19 the pandemic and and not that i had dealt with covid patients and but i've known people that have been on covid units and were in like the peak of it and like in the shit and you know i my friend i have multiple friends tell me they got good at two things chest compressions and postmortem care like i mm. think watching something like this post a pandemic Ooh. will help uh give some sort of perspective that um i might be looking for it's 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 more of a very introspective uh like soul searching journey i guess you could say but um mm -hmm. that that's i gotta get a copy of it first <laughs> yeah, so, yeah yeah your local library is probably that's where i'm gonna lean on for uh, some of the older stuff that i'm looking for I or to, ebay well. one of the two yeah, e <laughs> ebay the other way but your local library support your local library they, they will most places will do interlibrary loan. They can get what you want for you for nothing. Just wait a week and it'll be there for you. So yeah, but yeah, so that's my goal is to check out more of these, uh, these uh, I guess eye-opening documentaries. So we'll get back to each other, uh, mm -hmm. I guess throughout the year and next year. We'll see how how it went. We can do another, we can do one next year and say, oh, how'd that goal that you had go? <laughs> exactly. That'll be that'll be fun to keep up with. All right. Awesome. Well, I know we are, we are pushed for a little bit of time. So if you want to uh, plug uh, Filmstrip uh, one more time before we get going. And uh, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on and ushering in a new year uh, with uh, a, a really fun talk about just film. I, Mike, as always, it is a pleasure to talk with you. And thank you for having me on Amateur Tours here. Folks, you can go to filmstrippodcast.com. That's where you'll find all the episodes of the show. Please uh, leave us a review, you know, share it with others. You can follow the show's social media at FilmstripPod on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, you can just search for us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page as well, 300 plus episodes. And like I said, we, we tend to do bi-weekly on releases, a little bit of everything. And uh, 2022 holds some surprises. So we'll see what's uh, coming down the pipe. But uh, Mike definitely will have you on a few shows here and there and always happy to hop over here and talk uh, movies with you on Amateur Tours. So thanks so much for having me again. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, everyone, yep, you, you heard it from us. You can follow Jay, follow, support his shows. Follow us uh, at Twitter at AltoursPod, or you can email us any questions, comments, concerns at theamateuraltoursepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yes, uh, so everyone, thanks for listening. You know, we're starting off the one episode a week. You know, I'm really hoping that we follow through with that. I, I mean, I got everything planned. Fingers crossed, plan stays through. But until then... Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.